Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. This week, we're going to be talking about ADD, ADHD, everything you wanted to know about ADD, ADHD, and all the other Ds out in the world. So thank you so much for joining us. My name is Angie. Hi, I'm Logan. And I'm Rafaela. And Logan and Rafaela are two guests that are going to be talking to us about their diagnoses. So we're really happy to have them. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Okay, excellent. So the first question that I have is like, one, how did you get diagnosed and what was it like finding out? Yeah, for me, it was a long time coming. I was in the process of reaching out in regards to some anxiety and depression that I felt I had and trying to get to some accountability on that. And in the middle of that process, I stumbled upon some social media accounts of people with ADHD, because the algorithm always knows before you do. (laughs) Um, And it started to put a lot of what I was struggling with into words that I didn't have at the time, other than just anxiety and depression. So when I was working with my GP to diagnose my anxiety and depression, I was like, can we take a second here and take a look at this avenue before we get to deep anywhere else. And he set me up with a specialist and within a 20 minute conversation on the phone, he was like, yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> well, uh, we'll pass this on to your doctor. It was uh, pretty quick, which I know is not everybody's experience with that. I think I was pretty lucky in that regard, but yeah, it was a quick phone call with them because it's, you know, it was 2020. No one's taking appointments for, for these kinds of conversations, but yeah. By the end of it, he was just like, yeah, you definitely, I would say for sure. And uh, we'll get you started on some stuff. Yeah. And I find that interesting because I've heard as someone that doesn't have ADHD, I've heard that it's underdiagnosed in women because it manifests differently in women. So Rafaela, I'm interested to hear your experience. You're you're nodding and shaking your heads. So. Yeah. Literally hearing you talk, Logan, I'm like, what do you mean you got diagnosed in 20 minutes? Like, what did you do that they were like ADHD? Like, was there something specific that you're like, oh, I was just talking a lot or I couldn't remember something? Like, was it something like that? Uh, A little bit. Some of it was while in between me talking to my general practitioner about it and him getting me set up an appointment with the other guy, I was doing a lot of research on what kind of questions to expect, stuff like that. And I had already kind of half convinced myself by that point. I was just looking for the confirmation, which I think is pretty accurate for a lot of people out there. So yeah, I by the time the questions started coming around, I was like, oh yeah, I've got your answers for you. I know what you're looking for. And I checked those boxes. So it was a little bit more pointed on my side, but I didn't mislead in any way. I don't think it was just, I knew what he was looking for and I knew what uh, information I had. Well, that's awesome. Like, I'm happy for you that it was maybe a painless process. For me, okay, I'm 25 and I've had anxiety like forever, but I didn't know that. (sighs) I didn't know I had anxiety. I thought I just was bad at life. Oh my gosh. Uh, I blamed myself, like so much like internalized shame, which was great. And then university hit and I was like, wow, this blows. Like I'm not vibing with this. And I got like a lot of physical symptoms of anxiety where I just like could not even function anymore. 
And then I was like, okay, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And I was like, cool, everything in my life is because of anxiety. And that lasted a couple years. And then, and then I went, I had a psychiatrist in university and I mentioned ADHD. And I was like, I don't know, I really have a hard time focusing in class. And he was like, nope, that's just anxiety. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. Okay. And then I went into the day treatment program at the U of A. Have you heard of that program? Are you guys from Edmonton? I I did the evening treatment program at the U of A. It like changed my life. Right? I did the day version, which was so much. So I love that you know it. You know, like the, I think they're really similar actually. Yeah, it's very intense. And then I saw that psychiatrist met with me and mentioned ADHD. And I was like, maybe, maybe. And then I just started, you know, doing the digging and the internet searching. And I was like, oh my God. Like she literally handed me the DSM-5 and was like, do you relate to any of these? And I was like, oh my God. Like (laughs) it was just mind blowing. Like something that I thought was just what I called anxiety for so many years actually had like, a different source. It wasn't just this magical anxiety, which so Logan, as you were speaking about like the anxiety, the depression, I'm like, aha, they're tricky. They make mm-hmm. you think that that's the problem, but those are the symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. It's just been like, you know, just trying to navigate all of this. It was like, okay, I thought I, this was anxiety, switching gears. Okay. ADHD. Got a couple others, got like some OCPD on top of that, which is great. Obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So that's like a really fun mix of like my brain is like chaos because of ADHD. So then I try to like be like a perfectionist because of it. And then there's just so much anxiety around all of it. It's really great to be inside my head. Um, (laughs) And I started meds. Like my world changed. I was just like, I can do the dishes today. You know, like I met people before who were like neurotypical and they're like, oh yeah, I do like Adderall for fun sometimes. And I just like clean my house for eight hours. No, I could like, I don't know, answer emails, (laughs) you know, call my grandma, like the really basic things that other humans can just do. I was just like, oh my gosh. So for me, it's been a journey. I guess it's been about one year actually that I've had like a formal diagnosis. So it's been about learning like, oh, all these things aren't this mystical anxiety. It's like ADHD that like executive dysfunction. It's not just me. I don't just suck as a person. There's this thing with my brain and it really helped me externalize some of that shame that I've held for so long being like, oh this actually isn't my fault. This is just how my brain developed. Cool. Now how can we like work with it instead of against it? Mm-hmm. So you, you found that the meds made a difference. What about you, Logan? Are you on, on any kind of medication? I am. I'm going on close to a year since my diagnosis as well. I have a I am unclear if my meds are doing what I want them to do. I have never had the big eureka moment, or if I have, I missed it. That, uh, <laughs> I hear a lot of other people have when they take their, their pills for the first time. They're like, oh my God, this is it. When I took my pills for the first time, I felt exactly the same, but now coffee just sucked to have. <laughs> I, 
Yes. Uh, everything was the same, but my heart felt like it was about to explode for about a week before I talked to my doctor. And I was like, this probably isn't normal, right? And he's like, stop drinking caffeine, you idiot. It's too much stimulants in your body at once that you're not yes. used to. Um, yes. But yeah, so I, I've upped the dose. We've changed, we've changed the pills once and we've just kept upping the dose. And I haven't really felt the... So this is what everybody else feels like moment. Um, things have gotten easier for me since my diagnosis, but I don't know for sure if I was already building up enough coping mechanisms beforehand that the pills are just not, they're just kind of getting me to where I already was functionally. Or, um, if the things that I'm learning to, uh, how to deal with that outside of medication is helping steer me towards finishing or starting anything in my life. It's really unclear right now. And it's really difficult to try to explain to my doctor what that's like, because I just feel like I'm coming off as a big shrug whenever he asks me the questions. And the only real answer is, well, we'll go up one or change. And that's where we're at right now. So I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds hard. And Okay, for me, it's like it wasn't the second I took it. The biggest thing for me was when I was on it for a few months, then went back to school and tried to do, like, tried to listen to a lecture. And I was like, oh my God, I paid attention the whole time. Like, it was like that was like my like eureka moment. But I had to like up it, up it, up it, up it. And I was like, okay, like life felt a little bit easier today, but we're still not there. But so that's interesting. And I'm sorry. And I really hope that like if you choose, to continue the path of medications that you find something that works for you. Yeah, I choose to believe that it's doing something. It's just not as big a shift as I was led to believe from other right. people's stories. That being said, I do notice the difference when I don't take them. I feel like I need to just crash for four hours in the middle of the day. But that's more just my body's used to having a lot more stimulation. <laughs> and then suddenly it doesn't. And it's a harsh crash. But it's uh, especially during the work day. Mm, that's that's the most notable. But yeah, but other than that. So talking about kind of on that route, like medication helped you. Like, first of all, what's the difference between AD, ADD and ADHD? Because I keep wanting to say both. Like, Can one of you like explain to me if they're proper terms? Uh, yeah, it's my understanding is it is still a shifting description. I believe right now ADHD is the commonly used medical term for it. ADD and ADHD was normally split. The H in ADHD is hyperactive. So they used to just call ADD for the people that have the same symptoms, but are not as bouncing off the walls, stereotypical ADD. When you think of how they're portrayed in the media, you think of an ADHD person, that's what that is. ADD is all the same things except without needing to do a backflip in a Wendy's parking lot for no reason, you know? Um, but yeah, my understanding now is that they've shifted the terminology. So ADHD covers all of that, but now there is the hyperactive and the less hyperactive side is kind of a spectrum in there. They currently have three different types combined hyperactive, and I can't remember the one that I am. Inattentive. Inattentive. Thank you. Classic ADD. I forgot the term for my diagnosis. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, so they have that split up into those three, and it's believed that throughout your life, you'll jump in between those, and it's kind of coming around to being more of just a spectrum. You fall in and slide back and forth between throughout your life. Very interesting. That's really helpful for me to know as someone on the outside. So I guess like I'll say my question then. So with ADHD, what do you find is like one of the hardest parts? Like how does it impact your day-to-day life, I guess? So like you wake up in the morning, like how is your life different than like a neurotypical person or a person that doesn't have ADHD? Mm, These are good, good questions. I think the hard thing is that I've never been neurotypical, so I don't Mm. know what like normal people feel like, (laughs) but I feel dead in the morning, especially now that I take my meds in the morning, like that sweet spot before they kick in. My brain is just mashed potatoes. It's just fuzzy. I'm like, I can't focus. I don't know. For me, I think I read this somewhere, but it feels like I'm just like trying to run through mud, you know? Like, you know how they have those like obstacle courses where like you pay money to like run through mud for like charity or something? I've never done that. No desire to. But I think mentally that's what I do. It's like, okay, here's the things you need to do today. Now do all of that while running through mud that's like up to your chest and you're like running so hard and everyone's like why are you so slow because they're like they can for some reason like walk on top of the mud and you're like I'm in like I'm in the mud and they're just like why like just work harder just do better and I'm like I I really hear you like I'm running as fast as I can and I'm still not getting it at least like that's how it is for me with like executive dysfunction it's like okay here's this thing I need to do or even want to do. But then my brain is like, nope, we can't. And I'm like, why? And it's just like, you know what? I don't have a reason. We just, mm, nope, not now. And I'm like, okay, I guess. And it's hard when you need to do things. And we live in a society that requires like, you. shames people yeah. and is ableist. And you're supposed to produce and be busy and... So for me, it just, it's a major block that stops me from like doing the things I want to do. And my brain is racing at all times. It's nonstop. And I think like, like as Logan was saying, like there's a spectrum, like different people can experience different things. Like, I think you asked me originally, like the different diagnoses and like women versus men. And then I went on a different page, which is very ADHD of me, (laughs) but like, yeah, I'm the like inattentive side. So it's like my brain is extremely hyperactive. My body is not. And growing up, no one ever caught that because I would sit in class. If I'm like zoning out, I'd be like staring at my paper or something. But my shame drove me to do like really well in school. So I was working like 10 times harder than I needed to. So I got good grades and I was like a quiet, normal kid I don't like you know you think oh an ADHD kid you think of like a little boy running around the classroom and that wow that wasn't how I presented and so it was never caught and I think like that's like the biggest difference is like how like that's why I was so shocked logo and you're like yeah I got diagnosed so quick I'm like you're like what did you have to do (laughs) like I want to like perform for people I'm like these are all the things wrong with me and they're like I don't know about that I'm like it's fine. Yeah, I think that's, I don't remember what the question was anymore. (laughs) It was about how it impacts your day-to-day life, but the executive dysfunction piece. So 
I just want to define for our listeners what executive dysfunction is. It's knowing you have things to do, but not being able to do the thing. That's how I understand it. If you both have anything to add to the definition, feel free. But so for depression, like depression sometimes impacts executive dysfunction or, or executive function. So Logan, is, do you find that that's the biggest issue with your day-to-day too, is like knowing that there's things to be done and then running through the mud to try and get them done? That has been my experience for the majority of my adult life and throughout a lot of high school as well when when things started getting real and responsibility started being a, a thing that you need to be a part of. Yes, executive dysfunction is one of the roughest parts, I think, of the entire experience. For people with ADHD, our baseline dopamine is a lot lower than the average person, which means that it is harder for us to feel rewarded when doing things. I don't have a concept of what the average person feels when they finish a chore. Because for me, it is torture. I don't get anything out of it other than I now have somewhere I can continue to pile my dirty cups uh, because I was running out of space before. It's more utility than doing a good thing for yourself. In a lot of cases, it's you get to a point where it's like, if this does not get done now, it is officially a problem. And that's usually what kicks a lot of... Yeah, 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 I can see Rafaela agrees mm. with that one. Yeah, it's it can be rough to have to have such a high threshold to want to do basic looking after yourself stuff. But yeah, that's that's what the medication is supposed to help. It's supposed to help bring that baseline up so that it's a little bit easier to kickstart yourself into doing the average thing. But... Aside from that, the other big day-to-day change I found is understanding another thing that ADHD people deal with, which is a lack of object permanence. If uh, something, a concept, a person, an item is not directly in your field of view, the chance that your brain just forgets that it exists is incredibly high. It is insane how fast and how easy it is to forget very important things and not of your own volition. I remember, so for those of you that don't know, here's the tea. Logan and I used to date. And I used to get so frustrated when he wouldn't text me during the day. And then he had to explain to me, and I got like so offended as someone that doesn't understand ADHD. He's like, if you aren't in front of me, I forget about you. And I'm like, but that means you don't care about me. And he's like, no, I care. I just... I have to have you in front of me or I forget about you. And I need some kind of external prompt to let my brain dig that information up and put it in front of my eyes. It's, it's not When I say stuff like we forget, it is not so much like amnesia. It's not like that information's gone. It's there. Your brain just isn't providing it to you. There's no prompts going on internally. Like if if you know you need to take the garbage out, and someone tells you, beginning of the day, take the garbage out. If you don't do it right then, your brain is immediately like, this is the least important thing in the world. We're going to fill that space with something else. But then someone later in the day says, hey, do you take the garbage out? And it's like an immediate like, oh, shit. Yes, absolutely. You did tell me to do that. And 
yeah, the information's there. Your brain just doesn't want to give it to you because it's not the most important thing it wants right then. So how do you find that manifests in like relationships with people around you between the executive dysfunction and forgetting to do things? That sounds like it might be kind of taxing on the people around you, especially if they don't understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. So how have you found that that manifests in your relationships? I mean, I'm really excited to hear more about like your guys' relationship because that's <laughs> exciting. But yeah, that it like my relationship with my family was probably the greatest impacted because they didn't understand. They still kind of don't understand. They thought I was just like lazy my whole life and that I was like choosing to be like this. And so it was just like horrible all around. <laughs> I'm in a relationship with my boyfriend. We live together. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> I think he also has ADHD. <laughs> he says he doesn't, but I'm like, I don't know. He's kind of a space cadet as well. That's how I describe him. So he's the one who like will forget his keys, his wallet, his things. And I'm like, it's over there. It's over there. It's over there. Because like that's like my like OCPD kicking in is like, I am in control of my land. But like, if you just took something and put it in a drawer, gone forever. Like Mm -hmm. everything I own is like on a table so I can see it just like you were saying, Logan. So it's like in my immediate relationship, it's hard because we're both like, yeah, we're both space cadets. So it's like, because yeah, he's more like forgets things or forgets to like turn off the light or like close a door. And I'm like, like that stuff, I don't forget. But then for me, I'm like crying on the floor, being like, I need to do my chemistry homework, but I can't. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been tough because I mean ADHD affects like every aspect of my life. But yeah, I want to hear about your guys's. <laughs> Logan's uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Angie's a pretty good person to have here. She's a, an ex that I'm in good standing with that uh, <laughs> I could talk about this stuff. Yeah. It is hard. We were lucky enough that I was in the middle of my diagnosis and was able to start finding those words while we were still working it out. I feel like it could have crashed and burned pretty hard had uh, had that not been the case. And um, yeah. And, and it was this, like the same thing that you said earlier, like it without the the diagnosis and the ability to externalize what's happening, it's a lot of internal shame. And the only thing that you can compare what's happening to is that you're just a bad, like you're just bad at being a person. Uh, All these things that are supposed to be so easy for everybody else and you just can't grasp why you're not getting it. And yeah, it can it can be hard, but it, and as an attest to uh, our relationship, then uh, even with those words, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to come out on top. Each person still ends up needing different things by the end of it, and it is not the responsibility of either party to put the diagnosis before it. It you need to figure out what you need regardless of what's going on inside your head. And I'm not entirely sure what my end point was when I started that sentence, but that's that's how my relationships have been. Yeah. And okay, so think- what was it like dating a neurotypical person? I wouldn't know. I don't think I've ever once dated a neurotypical person, whether either of us knew it. 
typical if like it's like a non ADHD or maybe. Okay. It's can I speak to it from my perspective? Absolutely, yes. So unfortunately, like because he wasn't diagnosed until partway through our relationship and he didn't have the vocabulary to articulate like what was going on in his head when he would say things that would hurt my feelings. Like I just forget to text you when I'm at work and I'm like, thank you. You say you love me and you forget to text me or, you know, like he would forget about important things coming up or whatever. It was like really hard for me to understand that he wasn't doing it on purpose and that he wasn't just being lazy or inconsiderate that this was like his brain working in a different way. And the, the biggest change in our relationship after he got some of the vocabulary and that I had to like constantly say to myself. And like, sometimes when I would tell my friends about things that we would do, they'd be like, that's so harsh. And I'd be like, well, the thing is, is that he still cares. He just doesn't have the tools to do it. And that I think was one of the things that got me through like most of our relationship was knowing that like, even though I like have to nag him to take out the garbage a million times and I like will literally move the garbage near the door to like block his path and he'll walk right by it. I'll still walk right past it. Yeah, I see it there. I don't like that I'm doing it. He's not doing it because he's lazy. (laughs) He's doing it because he just, it's not how his brain works, but he still cares enough to take up, want to take out the garbage for me. And so that was the biggest thing that I noticed in, in the relationship. And I'm type A too, which I think is why we ended up breaking up is because he's also very type B in addition to being ADHD. So it, we just weren't compatible in that way. But I, I did find having the diagnosis helped. And then I also want to like give a shout out to all of the online resources that there are for ADHD, because I know for Logan, that really helped him find these terminologies and explain these concepts that he couldn't explain to me. He was just like, I, this is just the way I am. And so he'd send me a comic and that would be our way of like talking about a big issue in our relationship. And then I would finally understand him better. So yeah, that's just from my perspective. What about you, Logan? Uh, yeah, that's been the case. Uh, it was, it was nice being able to find the, those boundaries with someone and understand how it works inside a relationship while you're figuring it out. Because I've been in relationships without a diagnosis and it, it always ended up very much more toxic by the end of it. A lot of internal and external resentment is, is I think, a big factor that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if other ADHD individuals can relate to. A lot of, a lot of resentment can be can be thrown around if uh, you're not fully aware and communicating what you need and what's happening and what the other person is is getting out of that. Mm-hmm, definitely. So this comes to one of my questions that I wanted to ask you. Like, what is something that you wish more people understood about ADHD? Be it your boss or your parents or people in your life. Like, what is something that you wish more people knew? or understood. For me, as someone that like is friends with people with ADHD, it's that they aren't lazy. It's that they, they want to do the thing. They just can't. They literally just can't. It's not a character failing. It's very similar to depression. And I had no idea. I didn't realize that that was how it manifested because I had that stereotypical eight-year-old boy bouncing around the classroom stereotype in my head. 
I think for me, like the biggest thing is like, you can't always see it because I am constantly still like have to tell people I have ADHD. I have anxiety. I am not okay because I grew up in an environment where my differences weren't accepted or allowed. And therefore I had to like overcompensate. So like masking is a term within like like the autism and like ADHD community. In my head, ADHD and autism are like cousins. There's a lot of overlap, but obviously they're very, they're completely different things. I appear very outgoing to people. I know how to behave in social situations. I know how to articulate myself. I know how to people please, I guess, which is like a trauma response, which is awesome. So people do not assume that anything's wrong because I can sit there with a smile on my face. I can make eye contact with you as you're speaking to me and I will not hear a single word you're saying because my brain left. And people are like, you were looking right at me. I'm like, yes, because I've trained myself to know like you're supposed to stare at, you know, like you learn these like social behaviors. And so I've been dismissed my whole life. And now I need to say to people like, okay, I have ADHD. I have anxiety. Like these are the things and these are the accommodations I need because I've been dismissed so much based on my like, yeah, like behavior or masking behaviors that people are just like, oh, you're fine. Like, why can't you come out tonight? Why can't you do the thing? Like, just do it. And I'm like, I hear you. I see you. And like, just because maybe you don't see me laying on the floor crying, or maybe you don't see how much like inner turmoil I have of like, okay, like just do this thing. Like, why do you like this? Like, come, you know, like all that isn't always visible. And so I would just want people to have compassion and believe people when they say they're struggling. Like no one struggles for fun or like another thing is I don't think lazy is real. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't want to do something like, okay, don't do it. But most people that are like, oh, I'm so lazy. I should do this thing. I need to do that thing. They're not lazy. There's obviously a barrier there, whether it is depression or anxiety or ADHD or whatever is it. Right? Like, I don't think lazy, I think it's just something that's used to try to shame people mm. and to like, most like manipulation, like to manipulate people to doing what you want them to do. Um, yes, just believe people. Mm. How about you, Logan? Yeah, kind of jumping on both of your guys' points. It's, we were frustrated too. People with ADHD, like as as rough as it is for everybody else, like we're living it and it sucks. As easygoing as we may appear in a lot of cases, there's a lot of internal processing going on and uh, a lot of the time that you'll see someone just sitting on the couch when they're supposed to be like getting ready to do a thing or you know, doing anything other than just sitting on the couch. A lot of that time, even though it looks like they're zoned out or scrolling through their phone, internally, every 30 seconds, they're going, come on, man, get just get up just now. Now and no, the moment's passed. One more, one more tweet. And then now, no, and it's constant. And it's, it, it really helps 
to know what's happening because that can definitely feed that internal shame very, very quickly of, man, you really just suck at doing basic stuff. But yeah, it, as as lackadaisical and it'll work itself out as I may appear, those are a lot of those are also coping mechanisms because in my life, things have had to work themselves out just by the sheer force of my executive dysfunction standing in front of me and holding me back from something I've had to be okay with sorting something out at the last possible moment and hoping that it works out in the end. And yeah, it, it can be it can be tough. As hard as it is to to watch, it is pretty hard to live. So it's it's just because someone isn't acting like your stereotypical ADHD doesn't mean that they don't have it. And it's even more frustrating for them than it is for you. I think that those are some pretty good takeaways. So just to wrap it up, and I always like to do this with mental illness because I think that neurodiversion is a beautiful thing. And as frustrating as it can be, because we live in a society that doesn't accept it, there are positives to it. So I was wondering if you know any positives to your ADHD, if you have anything that you're like, actually, that makes me pretty cool. So just to get your brains going, I'll go first. One of the things that attracted me to Logan was his creative side and the fact that he, his mind was always going all the time and he had such a rich inner life. Like he was always thinking about things. He was always analyzing things. And when he hyper-focused on something, he became like an expert in it. And I always found that really cool. Like when he hyper-focused on things and how overnight he'd become an expert in like this really obscure anime or something like that. So just as an external observer, and I also really like brainstorming activities with ADHD people because the ideas come from everywhere. (laughs) Like y'all don't get stuck in a rut like the rest of us. So (laughs) do either of you have any kind of positives that you can think of with your ADHD? Uh, yeah, along the the same lines there, I really like how intuitive we can be when it comes to where people with ADHD are very good at pattern recognition. Our brains process connections between things a lot more than specific points of data. So it can be a lot easier for us to pick up. We're very good at becoming jacks of all trades. Mm. And uh, we're very good at problem solving for the same thing as we, our brains are usually going at every different angle instead of focusing on one specific, which can help us come to a, a conclusion a lot faster. It can be a, pretty frustrating as a person with ADHD watching someone struggle with something that you're pretty sure you clocked like five minutes ago. <laughs> but... <laughs> but also being understanding of uh, them. But yeah, that's one of the things I, I think I, I really appreciate about it is how how quickly we can usually pick something up if we have an interest in it. Yeah, I feel like what you both said about like creativity, like that was the first thing in my head because I'm like, uh-uh. I don't try to be a pessimist, but sometimes I just like am. And like ADHD, I've heard some people being like, ADHD is a superpower. And I'm like, "Mm, mm." (laughs) like, can I give it back? I don't want it. (laughs) But if I'm like, you know, like, okay, like, what is the good parts? Like, yeah, I think the creativity, the ability to think of 
crazy things that maybe other people don't think of. Or I've heard like lots of people with ADHD are like entrepreneurs because Mm -hmm. we don't really fit into like nine to five jobs or working in a schedule for other people. And it's like, I want to do my own thing. And I don't know, like those things are good. And I had another thing in my head and then it's gone forever. (laughs) If you think of it, you can always message us and we'll put it in the description. So But I do want to thank you both for coming and showing up and being so vulnerable in your experiences. I know that this can be emotionally taxing talking about these kinds of things, but I know I just mentioned this, this episode of this podcast to a few people and they're really excited because they find so much validation in hearing other people talk about their experiences. It's like, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is basically like go to group therapy, you know? <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I was really feeling have- that even now, like hearing Logan talk, I'm like, oh, you experienced that too. It's just like a nice reminder that like, oh, I'm not alone in these things. It's cool. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time out to join us. I, I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you in your ADHD adventures going forward. <laughs> thank you. This was fun. Please engage with us on social media. Let us know what you thought of the podcast, if any different parts resonated with you. We are brand new at this, so we would love your feedback, and we will see you next time.